ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا من سيئات اعمالنا من يهدي الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله وصفيه وخليله وخيرته من خلقه وامينه على وحيه ارسله رب رحمه للعالمين وحجه على خلقه وعباده اجمعين واسال الله ان يجعلنا من صالح امته وان يحشرنا يوم القيامه في زمره ثم اما بعد اولا يا عباد الله اوصيكم ونفسي بتقوى الله فقد فاز المتقون First and foremost, O servants of Allah, I exhort myself and yourself to observe the taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as you ought to be feared in open and in secret. For indeed those who imbibe in them this characteristic of taqwa, they are the successful ones. May Allah azza wa jal make us from amongst him. Ameen. Ibad Allah, today we'd like to discuss a very very important topic. The topic which relates to al-akhlaq. The topic which relates to good character and good mannerisms. And indeed the Prophet والسلام, was praised by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this very trait. Allah Azza wa Jal said about his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, وَإِنَّكَ لَعَلَى خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ That indeed, O oh you messenger, you are upon exalted standard of character and when Sayyidina Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha was asked concerning the character of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam she said kana khuluquhu al-Qur'an that the mannerisms and the character of the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam it was that of the Qur'an meaning that there was not a single good trait which the Qur'an encouraged Except that the Prophet ﷺ, he had this character within himself. And there wasn't any despicable trait which the Qur'an warned against, except that the Prophet ﷺ was distant from this trait. وَإِنَّكَ لَعَلَىٰ خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ And indeed, O Ibad Allah, there are many ahadith of the Prophet ﷺ, which shows us the virtue for good character. Indeed, the Prophet ﷺ said, إِنَّمَا بُعِثْتُ لِأُتَمِّمَ مَكَارِمَ الْأَخْلَاقِ The hadith which is found in At-Tirmidhi, the Prophet ﷺ said that the only reason why I was sent and one of the missions for which I have been sent, it was to perfect the moral standard of character. The Prophet ﷺ encouraging us towards imbibing within ourselves good character traits. He said, إِنَّ مِنْ أَحَبِّكُمْ إِلَيَّ وَأَقْرَبِكُمْ إِلَيَّ مَجْلِسًا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ أُحَاسِنَكُمْ أَخْلَاقًا The Prophet ﷺ said that certainly the most beloved of you to me and those who will be closest to me on the day of judgment are those who have the best character. And so the Prophet ﷺ he encouraged us and he motivated us towards adorning ourselves with good character. 
And on one occasion, the Prophet وسلم, was asked a question. سُئِلَ عَلَيْهِ صَلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامِ أَنْ أَعْضَبِ مَا يَكُونُ بِي الدُّخُولِ إِلَى الْجَنَّةِ He was asked about one of the reasons which causes a person to enter paradise, to enter al-jannah. And the Prophet والسلام, said, تَقْوَى اللَّهِ وَحُسْنُ الْخُلُقِ That one of the main reasons why the worshippers of Allah Azza wa Jal enter Jannah after they believe in Tawheed and establishing the wajibat, it was due to the taqwa of Allah, due to having the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and having good characteristics and good akhlaq. And so this topic of al-akhlaq, it is a topic which is broad in scope. However, there are four ahadith which the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam informed this ummah about, which is considered to be pillars of al-akhlaq. These four ahadith, it is considered to be pillars of akhlaq. That whomsoever understands these ahadith and he practices upon it, he will be on his way to achieving good akhlaq. And whomsoever omits one of these ahadith, then according to his omission of these ahadith and the lack of practice upon these ahadith, his akhlaq will diminish. And about these ahadith, <coughs> Imam Ibn Abi Zayd al-Qayrawani, rahimahullah ta'ala, who was known as Little Malik, and he is one of the adherents of the Maliki Madhab, Ibn Abi Zayd al-Qayrawani, he was known as Little Malik. And we all know who Imam Malik was. One of the four famous a'imma of this deen. Ibn Abi Zayd was given the title of Little Malik. Ta'ala. And he said, A hadith al-akhlaqi tajtami'u fi arba'ati ahadith. He said that all the ahadith of akhlaq, the pillars of it is found in four ahadith. He said that the pillars of al-akhlaq, it is found in four ahadith. So listen, O Muslim, to these ahadith. The first hadith is, as the Prophet ﷺ said, "Man kana yu'minu billahi wal yawm al-akhiri, falyakul khayran aw liyasmut." That the Prophet ﷺ said that whosoever believes in Allah Azza wa Jal and the last day, let him say something good, or let him remain silent. The second hadith, "Min husn al-Islam al-mar'i, tarku ma la yani." That from the excellence of one's Islam is that he leaves of that which does not concern him. The third hadith, la taghdab, do not become angry. And the fourth hadith, la yu'minu ahadukum hatta yuhibba li akhi ma yuhibbu li nafsihi. That none of you have perfected their faith up until they love for their Muslim brother what they love for themselves. And so as Ibn Abi Zayd, rahimahullah ta'ala said, a hadith al-akhlaqi that the discussion of al-akhlaq, it goes back to four ahadith, which is considered to be pillars of al-akhlaq. So the first hadith, Ibadullah, is a call towards preserving and protecting one's tongue. The Prophet ﷺ said, Man kana yu'minu billahi wal yawmi al-akhiri, 
فَلْيَكُلْ خَيْرًا أَوْ لِيَصْمُتْ And whosoever believes in Allah and the last day, then this will be his characteristic. Let him say something good or let him remain silent. And in this hadith, it is a call towards siyanatul lisan. It is a call towards preserving and safeguarding the tongue. That a Muslim is not one who just utters whatever comes to his mind. Rather, what is becoming of the Muslim is to contemplate and think about his speech before he utters his speech. And this is the way of the Muslim. Because as it is said, لِأَنَّ الْكَلِمَةَ قَبْلَ أَن تَخْرُجَ تَمْلِكُهَا وَإِذَا خَرَجَتْ مَلَكَتْكَ That speech, it is something which the one who utters it, he possesses the words. And once he utters it, these words possess him. So a Muslim is not one who just indulges in speech for the sake of speaking. He doesn't just speak for the sake of speaking. Because many of us, we have opinions with regards to many matters. And many people like to discuss matters of deen, but they are not ahl to discuss matters of religion. Many people want to discuss matters which relate to politics, but they are not of the people of Asiyasa. They are not of the people of politics. And many people like to discuss their opinions with regards to medicine and treatment, but they are not of the specialists in this field. And we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encouraged us as believers to refer to those who are specialists in the field. Allah Azza wa Jal said, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ ذِكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Ask the people of knowledge if you know not. And so with regards to matters of religion, we refer our matters to those people who are upright, who are upon the straight path, the people who adhere to the Qur'an and the Sunnah, according to the understanding of the Salaf. And we don't refer our knowledge of religion to the innovators, those who have innovated in the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, innovated in beliefs and practices, and innovated with regards to matters of spirituality. With regards to politics, we refer to the people who are specialized in this field. And with regards to medicine, we refer to the people who are specialists in this field. So a Muslim is one who contemplates his speech. And he doesn't just speak for the sake of speaking. And with regards to speaking, a Muslim should consider three things before speaking. The first is that the speech which you are about to utter, it is khayrun bayin wadih. That the speech you are about to utter, it is intrinsically good. It is entirely clear, and this is known to the speaker. That the speech you are about to utter, it is entirely clear. The speech will not cause you to fall into a sin or a doubtful matter. And this type of speech is matters of religion. It is the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is good advices and nasiha. These types of speeches, it is khair bayin. It's entirely clear. It doesn't require you to contemplate it. If it is a reminder, you remind your Muslim brother. If it is a warning, you warn your Muslim brother. This is khair bayin. 
The second type of speech is That the speech you are about to utter, you know it is evil. And it will bring about evil. Speech such as lies. Speech such as sukhriya. Belittling and mocking people. Such as namima. Tailbearing. And riba. Backbiting. We all know the arms of this type of speech. The arms that it causes to others. And the way it harms us. So if your speech is of this nature, then you refrain. And you safeguard your tongue from entering into the honor of the believers. And then there's a type of speech, which is the third type of speech. A type of speech which is mushtabihan alayk. A type of speech which is not entirely clear to you. Whether this is good or bad. So in this instance, what is upon the believer? Because the believer monitors his speech. He doesn't just utter for the sake of speaking. In this instance, the person rather refrains from speaking. And this is based upon the hadith of the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam. فَمَنِ اتَّقَ الشُّبُهَاتِ فَقَدْ اسْتَبْرَعَ لِدِينِهِ وَعِذْرِهِ That whomsoever fears the grey areas, the matter which is not entirely clear, then this person has preserved firstly his religion and his honor. And this is also based upon the hadith where the Prophet said, Da'ma yuribuka ila ma la yuribuka. Leave that which makes you doubt for that which causes no doubt. So we don't just simply speak for the sake of speaking. And this is the first pillar of al akhlaq That the believer, he preserves his speech and he monitors his speech. The second hadith which serves as a pillar of al akhlaq it is min husnil islam al mar'i tarku ma la ya'ni that from the excellence of one's islam is that it leaves off that which does not concern him and this is a call towards not engaging in excesses whether this excesses relates to speech whether these excesses relate to the gaze and the sight or whether these excesses relates to listening and lending our ears. Because the one who indulges in excesses, he takes himself out of the parameters of good akhlaq. He takes him out of the parameters of good akhlaq. However, this hadith, it should be applied in light of the sharia. And it shouldn't be applied based upon our hawa. Because a person might enjoy the, enjoying the good or forbid the evil and the person tells the brother or the sister, sister, fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This matter you're indulging in, it is haram. And the person says, leave me to my actions. Do you not know the hadith? That from the excellence of one's Islam is to leave off that which does not concern them. Enjoying the good and forbidding the evil it is something which concerns the believer. And as long as this characteristic is found within the ummah, then this ummah is upon goodness. For Allah Azza wa Jal said, Kuntum khayra ummatin ukhrijat lin nas, ta'muruna bil ma'rufi wa tanhawna anil munkari, wa tu'minuna billah. Allah Azza wa Jal, praising the Sahaba, He said that you are the best of nations, 
taken out for the guidance of mankind. You enjoy all that which is good, and you forbid all that which is evil, and you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this ummah, it is an ummah which enjoins the good and forbids the evil. We encourage towards goodness. And the ultimate goodness is tawheed and sound beliefs. And we warn from that which is evil. And the head of all evil, it is shirk and innovation. So as long as this ummah has this characteristic, and we encourage one another with regards to nasiha, and enjoining the good and forbidding the evil, this ummah is upon goodness. So we need to apply this hadith in the proper light, and not based upon one's hawa. So whosoever engages in excesses, excesses with regards to speech, excesses with regards to the gaze, and excesses with regards to listening, this person takes him out of the scope of good character. And this is something which we have all witnessed by way of experience. The fourth hadith, which is a pillar of al-akhlaq, it is the hadith of the Prophet which is very, very short in wording, but very, very comprehensive in meaning and practice. And the hadith is La Taghdab Two words That if you comprehend the reality of the statement of the Prophet And you practice upon this hadith You will protect yourself From lots of evil outcomes Evil outcomes which relate To your speech And evil outcomes Which relate to one's actions For the person Who acts upon impulses and they act upon the anger, the outcome is always an outcome of regret or an outcome of evil. The person who acts upon his impulses, if something angers him and he speaks up about that in the time of anger, most of the time, after this he regrets. And a person who acts upon his anger and he acts upon his impulses when his impulses overtake him, this action will always lead him to regret. And for this, some scholars have said, Al-Ghadabu, awwaluhu junoon, wa akhiruhu al-nadam. They said that Ghadab, anger, the first part of it is a type of madness. And this is something which we experience. When the person is enraged, you can see that he looks like a mad person. He doesn't seem like his own self. And they say, And the last part of anger, it is regret. For the person who acts upon his anger, he will certainly regret his action, and he will regret his speech. And so, the Prophet ﷺ gave us this wasiyah and this advice. When a person came to him, and he asked and he requested from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he said, O Sini, give me advice. The Prophet said, La Taghdab. And the person asked, O Messenger, give me advice. And what did the Prophet say? He said, La Taghdab. Fakarraraha. And the Prophet Sallallahu repeated this. And so the person said that after a while, he reflected over the words of the Prophet Sallallahu He said, I contemplated. And... I thought about the advice of the Prophet ﷺ. And he said that he recognized 
that evil, it is the mother of all evils. And this is the reality. Many people commit murder because of anger. Many people abuse their spouses because of anger. Women abuse men and men abuse women. And this is based upon this matter of anger and not being able to control the emotions and put it into the correct light. And so the Prophet did not just give us this advice, he also gave us methods how we can overcome our anger. And the first of these methods is the Prophet said in the hadith found in Abu Dawood, إِذَا غَدِبَ أَحَدُكُمْ وَهُوَ قَائِمٌ فَلْيَجْلِسْ فَإِذْ ذَهَبَ عَنْهُ الْغَدَبُ وَإِلَّا فَلْيَطَّجِئْ The Prophet said that when one of you becomes angry and he finds himself being overcome with anger, فَلْيَجْلِسْ Then this person must sit down. طيب فَإِذْ ذَهَبَ عَنْهُ الْغَدَبُ If the anger desists and the anger goes away, if not, then this person must lie down. So the Prophet is explicitly telling us not to act upon our anger. And if you feel overcome with anger, you must take action upon yourself. And the first of these actions is sit down. And if you do this, you will find the benefit which the Messenger has mentioned. That your anger, it will be overcome. And if this does not work, then lie down. And the scholars mention that this is not the only steps you can take. Whatever steps you can take to dissolve your anger, then take towards those steps. But start with the advice of the Prophet. The Prophet also said, Then when one of you becomes angry, remain silent. When one of you becomes angry, remain silent. And so the Prophet is cutting off the means to evil actions and evil statements. Whosoever from you is overcome by anger, sit down or lie down. And whosoever is overcome by anger, remain silent. For the person who recognizes that he has anger and he knows he needs to deal with it and he takes towards the guidance of the Prophet he will find tools for him to overcome his anger. أَقُولُ هَذَا الْقَوْلُ وَأَسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهِ وَلَكُمْ مِنْ كُلِّ ذَنْبِ فَاسْتَغْفِرُوا إِنَّهُ الْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ الحمد لله وحده والصلاة ألا من لا نبي بعده وبعد إباد الله قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اتق الله حيثما كنت وأتبي سيئة الحسنة تمحها وخالك الناس بقلق حسن رواه الترمذي. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم exhorts us and he says في الله سبحانه وتعالى wherever you are and follow up an evil deed with a good deed for it will expiate it and interact with people in a goodly manner. In this hadith, O servants of Allah, the Prophet ﷺ lays down the foundation with regards to akhlaq. That firstly, the highest level of akhlaq 
it is our khuluk, our character with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if our character with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is right, our other relationships and interactions will fall in place. For the Prophet then teaches us self-respect. And he says that whenever you indulge in an evil deed, follow it up with a good deed, for it will expiate it. So the one who fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he will recognize the right over himself. And the one who recognizes the right over himself will also have a recognition of the rights of others. And so the Prophet tells us, and interact with people in a goodly manner. So if our relationship is correct with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our relationship will be correct with ourselves. And if our relationship with ourselves is rectified and upon uprightness, then our relationships with others will fall into place. Ibadullah Ibn Abi Zayn al-Qayrawani rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned that the ahadith of akhlaq, it is found in four ahadith. And we've looked at three of these ahadith and one, one hadith remains. The final hadith, which serves as a pillar of al-akhlaq, it is the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in where he said, La yu'minu ahadukum hatta yuhibba li akhi ma yuhibbu li nafsihi. That none of you have perfected their faith up until they love for their Muslim brother, what they love for themselves. And this is the high level of Al-Iman. May Allah Azza wa Jal adorn us with this characteristic. Ameen. And so this is the approach of the believer. That he loves for others what he loves for himself. And in this hadith, it is a call towards Salamatul Sadr. It is a call towards having a heart which is free of rancor. A heart which is free of hatred and a heart which is free of enmity for our Muslim brothers. None of you truly believe up until he loves for his Muslim brother what he loves for himself. And certainly this is the way of the believers. For Allah Azza wa Jal said in his book and he recorded this dua رَبَّنَا اغْفِرْ لَنَا وَلِإِخْوَانِنَا الَّذِينَ سَبَقُونَ بِالْإِيمَانِ وَلَا تَجَعَلْ فِي قُلُوبِنَا غِلًّا لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Allah Azza wa Jal said and Allah Azza wa Jal taught us this dua O our Rabb, forgive us and our brothers who have preceded us in Iman and do not place in our hearts animosity and hatred for those who believe and so this is something very very difficult to achieve because at times your brother will upset you and they will upset you with regards to their personal rights. And this brother, he has a right to be upset with you for three days. If it is with regards to his own personal right. But we know the Prophet said that it is not permitted for a believer to boycott his Muslim brother for more than three days. So if you need a day or two or three, the Prophet has given you this extent and limitation. If he gives you salam, you do not have to give him salam. If he invites you, you don't have to honor his invitation. But beyond these three days, it becomes haram. And the Prophet said, the best of those who boycott is the one who after the boycotting period is over, 
the one who initiates salam first. Because this is the better man. This is the strong believer. Because he is acting upon the injunctions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so, the believer is one who loves for his Muslim brother what he loves for himself. And this shows us that that which is held internally, it is manifested on the outside. And this is something which the Prophet taught us. And he said, Ala wa inna fil jasadi mudra, idha salahat, salaha al jasadu kulluhu, wa idha fasadat, fasad al jasadu kulluhu, ala wa hiya al qalb. That in this body, there is a piece of flesh. If it is sound, the entire body is sound. And if it is corrupt, the entire body will be corrupt. And so, a believer who holds malice and enmity to another Muslim brother, this enmity and malice, it will become manifest in his character. It will be seen in his actions. He will reciprocate to this person in terms of bad speech. And he will show this also in his action. So that which is internal, it will be expelled and seen upon the external. And so this is the call to rectify the art. Because each and every single thing emanates from this. And the person who possesses a sound art, he will understand this hadith of the Prophet That none of you possess true iman up until he loves for his Muslim brother what he loves for himself. So we ask that Allah Azza wa Jal rectifies for us our fears, all of it. And then he grants us akhlaq. Because none can rectify al-akhlaq illa huwa. And then we ask that Allah Azza wa Jal averts from us evil traits and characteristics. For none can avert it from us except him. وَهَذَا وَصَلُّوا رَحِمُكُمُ اللَّهِ عَلَى خَيْرِ الْبَرِيَّةِ وَأَزْكَى الْبَشَرِيَّةِ